Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. When an album starts with a banger like this, you know it's going to be great. Under a Bad Sign. It's by Albert King from his 1967 album of the same name. It's also number 491 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, everybody? It's me, your host, the King of Fleece, and I am here to guide you guys through Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums list from Five Honey all the way down to Numero Uno. And we're down to the final episodes, guys. Only 490 more to go because we're closing our doors on May 31st, 2028. So I hope you guys paid for your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, whichever way you listen to music. Listen to the records. Listen to the podcasts. They go hand in hand. Let's do this together. Happy New Year, everybody. 2018 was probably the best year of my life. Career was fantastic, but it's not about that. This was the year I decided to work on myself. And when I started working on myself, I came up with this idea. And I am so excited about 2019. And I'm excited to bring you this podcast and to take you guys on this journey. So thank you for tuning in. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Uh, literally, we taped this episode today. Like, like literally a few hours ago. Uh, locking this guest in. It was just first I had I had a date with him and then he had to do Ellen and then he got snowed in in North Carolina and then he got sick. And so I waited until the last second because I really wanted to sit down with the one and only Sinbad. You guys might remember him from movies such as Jingle All the Way, House Guest. He was on the TV show A Different World. I know It's a different world to where you come from. Yes, it is now to where you come from. Can't hit that note. Remember when I lost my voice? This is what my voice sounds like. Uh, Me and my sister used to watch his HBO special, Brain Damaged, and we used to quote it nonstop. And currently, you can see him on the Fox Sunday night series, Rel. I love this guy to death, and I am so happy to have Sinbad on as my guest for this record. 
don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by Albert King. Also, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500, everybody. Follow me on all social media at Josh Adam Myers. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Let's jump right into it, guys. Here we go with number 491 out of 500 with Born Under a Bad Sign by Albert King. They call me the Sinbad, but dan dan, he's a sin Sinbad. Jog a dan dan, sin, jive a dime for Sinbad. Gadan. All right, that was it. Dare. That's, my, that's my theme song, man. That's your theme song. All right, man. <laughs> cool. Dude, I uh, can't thank you enough for doing this um, because this has taken. Probably about a good solid month for me to lock you in to be yeah. able to do well, We locked this. into it. I've been, I've been sick for the last two weeks. I've had 14 days of sickness now. Well, you look fantastic. Man, but I'm sick. <laughs> You're in the full-on like comfy sick clothes. Yes, so. I am. Yes, I am. So when I asked you about this, uh, you immediately were like, Albert King, Like I love this guy. He taught me to want to play guitar. Go yep. back. Teach me, Like, what did you grow up listening to? Like, What is the style of music you, you mess with? Well, every, I mean, I listened to it. Everything, but I remember a product of the '60s and '70s. So we got we blended our music, uh, R&B, Motown was happening. Then funk hit, which 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 is what I love, man. Funk, that's my funk dog over there. That's Coda. So music for coming to an end. So yeah, we we did the um, the funk thing and then blues. I mean, there was stuff I heard in the jukebox at a place called Bobo's Grill, and they were older people. So I I I held Albert King, Albert Collins, uh, BB King, all that stuff. But I didn't really pay attention really hardly to blues the way I do now until I stopped playing guitar. And how long have you been playing guitar? I didn't pick up the guitar until like almost, what, seven years ago? In my 50s. In your 50s? I quit playing music, man. I quit playing music and um, um, I started playing drums. Come on, Coda. Hey. hey. <laughs> I, I started playing drums. Hold up. I, I started playing drums again. Um, I hadn't played in 30 years. And, and somebody said, man, why don't you, you always talk about music. Why don't you get back into it? So I started playing drums. I said, oh, that's too far in the back. You know, don't, don't bark in the mic. So that's too far in the back. So I said, I got to learn to play guitar. But I thought it was simple. I thought the guitar would just be like, bam. I'd be soloing in the first like yeah. month. And I realized, <laughs> you know, guitar is a, a lifelong, it's a journey. Oh, it's, it's a hard instrument to play. I it's a hard like- instrument to become good at. You can yeah. learn to play some chords quick. It's like saxophone. You can learn to play a saxophone quick, but to become good mm-hmm. takes a minute. So I, I, I was going to play bass first. That's what, what I'm mainly doing now is playing bass, bass and percussion. Okay. But when I started picking up the guitar, I said, I didn't know how to practice. You know, this, if, when you first start learning how to play an instrument, it's all over the place. Oh, yeah. And he said, if you want to play everything, play the blues. So if you learn to play the blues, you're to play funk, your rock, R&B, even a little bit of classical. I said, if you play the blues, you will pick up everything. How to solo, how to find your spot. So I said, okay, I'm going to start playing the blues. And then I started listening to all these people and all these blues people. Then even people like Sonny Landreth, who was doing the stuff with the slide. And yeah. It, um, it started blowing my mind on, on how funky the blues could be. Sure. Oh, and, and, what, and what they were saying, you know? Well, it's one of those things where I, I didn't know a lot about blues. And the first uh-huh. record I really listened to when I started doing this was B.B. King Live at Cook County Jail. Yeah. Which is great. And yeah. then, you know, we get down to 491, which is this album. 
And because of this record, like I found out about Freddie King, yes. which is just a totally different, whole different style. style. Whole different style. It's, it's a little bit funkier, a little yep. bit liver. Uh, but so so you you play drums, now you're playing guitar. So how did you get into Albert King? Like how did you experience this um, album? Like how old were you? Like what was going on in your life? Albert King, I heard when I was young, but it wasn't until like maybe 10 years ago, I was going through something. I heard Born Under a Bad Sign. Yeah. And I heard it was like, I said, you know what? Damn, this about nails what I feel right now. Born under, like nothing was going right. Nothing is going right. And I said, I just, and then I started listening to him doing the guitar and the bends. And the, the guitar is crying for this man. The guitar yeah. is telling you how bad he feels about his life. And remember, this is a big man. This man is 6'5", six, 6'7", six, 250 pounds. Oh, he's a big dude. Yeah, he's left-handed, Huge. just... One, but he's like, what they call him, the Velvet Teddy Bear? Oh, yeah, I've got no, all no, the No, nicknames. the Velvet Bulldozer, the Velvet Bulldozer. So he, he, you know, he's just, dude, he's just, he's the cat. His voice, you can't match his voice. That's what makes some of these guys like BB them unique. Yeah. You can't sing like them. Their singing style is the way they play guitar. Well, it's all different. Yeah. What I've noticed is like you can't lump those three guys into the same category. Oh, no. I mean, they're the kings no. of blues, but yeah. their guitar style sounds different. Their singing styles, yes. and they're all basically saying the same stuff. Yeah, they're singing the blues, talking about some woman did this to me. Yep. whatever. But every person out of those three guys has has their, their story, story, their their emotion, and they all have tragic it. stories until their until their time came. Now, BB was able to go on. BB became a national treasure. You know, a uh, uh, Freddie went through his thing, you know, and Albert went through his thing. So Albert, you know, had ups and downs. It took a while for Albert to catch on. Yeah. And at the end, you know, he ended up what, having a heart attack in his apartment and had, couldn't get a record deal toward the end. I think they tried to do something with him, one more album. And he just couldn't. Yeah. They just, he passed away before that. Yeah. Well, let's let's just dive into the record then. All right. Uh, so our album today is number 491 out of 500. It's Albert King's 1960 follow-up release, Born Under a Bad Sign. The album was recorded in Memphis, Tennessee at the world-famous Stax Record and produced by Stax co-founder Jim Stewart. So before I ask you to do this, obviously you said you had listened to this record before. Tell me about, you were saying that there was stuff going on in your life where that, this record, when you first heard it, like how did this and what was going on that made you identify with, with the title, with Born Under a Bad Sign? Well, you know, born at a bad sign means you can't get a break. Yeah. It's just it's just a another way to say I can't get a break. No matter what I do, I can't seem to get a break. Although nobody's born in a bad sign. You you just think you are because we we are in charge of our fate. Sure. We are in charge of where we go. But sometimes you're like this. I just can't catch a break. And I think that was happening with like remember, so he got till he got with Stacks. Stacks was when his life turned around. Yeah. And it was Bell, Al Bell and um Booker T. Yeah, which just blew my mind too. It that was it was, and, it's like and, if you look Bell. at if you yeah. look at the whole personnel yeah, yeah. for this record, you have Albert King on lead guitar and vocals, yep. Steve Cropper on yep. rhythm guitar, Booker T yes. from Booker T and the MGs on organ and piano, and then which blew my mind even more, Isaac Hayes. Yes. Isaac Hayes is on this record. And it's just incredible. I mean, just the sound is just incredible. So keep going with your story. I'm so sorry. it took him into a new direction, you know, and uh but when you listen to that, that song, if you play that song right now, even if you're not born under a bad sign, even if it's not like, well, man, my life is totally ruined, if you just have a bad day, because sometimes we exaggerate our bad day. Oh, oh my God, my, and, my life's yeah. falling apart. Yeah, so that's where you 
you play this song over and over. So you have this stuff going on the first time you you started listening to that. Yeah. Like what stuck out to you? Um, like the first pass on listening to this record. Like what songs were the ones that stuck out to you? Well, it's got the it's the man, my man, uh, blues and the laundromat man, laundromat blues. Yes, that kills me. Oh, pretty woman. Some of the stuff is so bluesy, so old school blues. Yeah. See, some of the blues is so blues I can't get into it. You know, this it's so old school blues. You know that I like. Some of that stuff is be, it's so beyond my time. Oh, for sure. I, I respect the music, but it's so far beyond my time. I said, like, man, that's too sad for me. That's, that's what, what song was too, too sad oh, for man, you? Oh, man, I think it's I Almost Lost My Mind. When yeah. I Lost My Mind. Yeah, 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 he almost lost my mind. Or uh, the other one was, I think it's Down, Don't Bother Me of The Hunter. Well, the hunter is hunter's all about sex. There's like yeah. four songs in here where yeah. he references his penis as a love yeah. gun, yeah. and but then there is still that underlying sadness to it. It's still sad. So, so the first time I listened to this, but it's not just the words; it's the the style, the style of the blues. Sure, there's that Chicago blues, that Delta blues, and some of that Delta twangy, like oh yeah, just cause remember he's he's at the age, he's at the beginning where blues was beginning to flourish. Before he did the funk album that he did with the Barcase, but it was real, just real, gut wrenching, bluesy, like being. I feel like I'm in one of them juke joints. Oh yeah, somebody about to get be, cut. Yeah, and I said, man, that's too much for me. That's that's too much for me, man. So I've had a lot of passes with this record. I I mean I listen to these albums a lot anyway, but I've probably done about forty times I've listened to this record and. Yeah. Immediately, the song that stuck out to me more than anything, at first it's called Support Under a Bad Sign, and as I kept going, like, you know, I loved The Hunter, but the one that I feel is my favorite song on this record is The Very Thought of You, mm-hmm. the ending. It's just so beautiful. Well, it's, it's the very, you know what, it's almost not bluesy. It's almost. I mean, this is like an yeah. old jazz standard. It's like, yeah, it's a jazz. He blues, he blues it up, but it's, he didn't lose the jazz part of it. It's, no, not at all. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's definitely the, yeah. well. It, there's there's. I hate to uh, to make this comparison, but we, some of the piano that's in the very thought of you reminds me of uh, Bill Evans' piano yeah. in Flamenco Sketches. Like there's this little run that that Bill does during during his solo, and it's just like the layers that uh, the keyboardist is playing on this song with the with uh, with the piano run, and then his solo, and then even the way when he's soloing. And this is what I love so much well, about to, him. He likes to mix genres, though. Well, I've, no, I see yeah, that. He, like, well, he, likes to, he likes to mix genres. He's not scared of doing that. No, no, no. Well, I, there's, there's, there's parts of this yep. that are just straight blues. There are parts of this that are, in a sense, rock yeah. blues. And then, like you just said, like the very thought of you is, is like a jazz standard. This could be like a Cole Porter yeah. song. It's also the one song that he actually really sings and hits that yeah. note at the end where yeah. he's just like, ha, yeah. I mean, it is beautiful i think one of these one of the passes and listening to it i got choked up listening to it as i was driving <laughs> over the 101 it was just so beautiful uh so let's dive into the record okay okay here we go so the first song it opens with born under a bad sign which yeah. immediately is a banger peter in the background play the beginning of the song perfect all right so when it comes in, you get the light soloing. You definitely can hear the elements of Booker T and the MG. And, I mean, you were talking about a guy yep. that was 
you know, that's that says like he's got no luck, uh, yeah. and he's some of the lyrics reflect that. You know, wine and women is all I crave. A big legged woman, woman will take gonna, me to my grave, gonna carry me <laughs> to the grave. Now, yeah. you were mentioning that some people feel that you know, you just have a bad day, you feel like yeah. you know, my life is over, I don't know what I'm doing, but. Take me back to a time where it appeared like life was shitting on you, and how did you climb your way out of that? But you know what? This, but it's funny. Even when I listen to that, even though you're depressed, it almost becomes a an inspirational song. Oh, it's a mantra. It's, it's, it's definitely. It's, it's, yeah. like, it's like Buddy Guy's "Damn Right I Got the Blues." Yeah, it's like you know what? I'm gonna give in to this. It's not gonna kill me. It's it's not gonna uh, describe who I am. It's not, it's not gonna be my epitaph on my. Uh, on my headstone. Yeah. But I need, sometimes you just need to be down to get back up. Oh, you have to. And, it's just like every what, drug addict. That's it's what like you born have to the hit a bottom. Is. Yeah. It's not like, man, I'm going to play this song to go kill myself. I'm going to play this song. I'm going to kick somebody's ass. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. like you take pride in yeah, it. Yeah. It's hard know? to explain it because it's so down, I can't go no further. That I'm going to get back up. I just need to describe it and say it. Sure. So I've been through periods where you you, know, you can't get work or you, you you go in trying to read for stuff and you, you're going like, why can't I get this? You're watching other people. That's the reason message you up. You're watching other people become successful, which they say we should never do. But, you know, that's a lie. We yes. do. We do compare. Of course we do. We compare. I, so I'll give you mine. Uh, one of the best advice I've ever gotten. You know Gerard Carmichael? Yes. So I started stand-up with Gerard and I had just gotten back from New Faces at Montreal, which is that huge yeah. deal to get selected yeah. as that. And I had to go back to my regular day job and everybody yeah. else was succeeding. And he said to me, he goes, stop looking at other people's yeah. papers. Yes. Take your own test. Yeah. And I mean, that's some of the best advice is like you got to focus away. You don't look at other people. Just 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 plow ahead. But sometimes you do have if you're, look at, if you're an athlete, I, we do look at other people. You know, they say, hey, man, your biggest competition is you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I believe some, that. sometimes sometimes we do get our own way. But the biggest competition is beating other people. If I'm an athlete and say, say I do end up beating me, I still got to beat some other people. Sure. So we get on stage. It's not about who's the funniest. Yeah, it is. If you're the kind of person, I want to be the funniest one in this room. When I walk off this stage, now I can't get caught up even like my style. That's the thing where it said, find out who you are. I can't get caught up that my style is different. But how do I take my style and make my style work even in a room of five or six different types of genres of comedy? Yeah. How do I walk out of there like, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was, but he's a beast. That's that. what you want to find. How do I compete with myself and compete with other people but not lose my mind in the process? We are inspired by people who beat us. We are inspired by people who are great. We do look at other people. When people say, man, don't look anybody but yourself. No, because if that guy's headlining, I, got, I have to get his spot. So, yes, I have to develop me. I have to become better at what I am. But I still got to get this guy's spot. Completely. Yeah. Completely. So what does it mean then? And he, when he's saying that, born under a bad sign, what does that mean to have bad luck? And do you think that some people have bad luck their entire lives? And how do you maintain faith or, you know, to keep yourself in such a positive mental attitude? I think we all have a breaking point. I think he wrote that song. They probably were in the studio talking. You yeah. remember he hadn't had his big, hadn't had that big break yet. He said, man, what am I, what am I doing? He's like, what am I doing wrong? From the time I'm a kid... I get close to something, I just can't get it. And that's when he said, I'm born on a bad sign. That's what, sometimes, that's, is there any other way to describe it? If I'm doing everything right, hey man, you go, I'm going to the gym. I, I'm eating right. You can't lose 20 pounds. I'm doing everything right. Yeah. 
and nothing seems to work, man, maybe you're just born on the bad side. Maybe this ain't for you. So for that moment, I think he gave in to the lyrics, to, the, to, to what he was, to what was going on. But he was so committed to it that it became inspirational because other people that listened to it were like, man, I've been there too. Oh, for sure. I needed I, that it's, song. It's, that's why. That's I don't why. need to be happy. I don't need Bob McFerrin be happy when I'm down. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear like I don't need Pharrell because I'm happy. I don't want to hear that song. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. When I'm feeling down, I mean, I definitely put on music that I feel kind of goes with the flow of where I'm at. And I am the kind of person, because I had a mom that was very like, woe is me, I'm the martyr, life is falling apart. And that was like engraved into my head. And for years, I was, I was... I was taking those traits that my mom was giving me and I was just like, I never looked at the bright side. And yeah. now it was probably for the last year so I could start becoming a positive person. I started meditating. I started yeah. to go into a spiritual guide, uh, reading, and just ev- once I started doing that, because I used to be the guy that's like, you know, God hates me. I, my life yep. is falling apart. And now it's like. Makes for good comedy, though. It's, it does make for great. It makes for fantastic <laughs> depression, comedy. Depression makes for good comedy, man. But you have to love yourself <laughs> yeah. so you can love others. And that was the thing is that I had to learn how to do that. And because I used to believe I was born under a bad sign. But now I just realize that it's like, no, I wasn't. Like, even if you think that you were, it's like. You once- might have been born in a bad situation. You know what happens? You might have been born to a bad situation. Sure. But when, you know, when people talk, I mean, I was. I was one of those people, man, as a kid. I just thought it wasn't for me. And my dad started giving me these books on positive thinking and reading on positive thinking. And I realized you you are controlling your destiny. Now, it might not be going where you think it's going, but it's going to go where it's supposed to go. Sure. And you got to find your spot. Sometimes we want something that's not for us. You know, everything's not for us. I don't believe everything is for us. Some things don't belong to you. So why don't you find, that's what I'm saying, why don't you find the thing that belongs to you? What is the thing that I can have? What is the thing that I'm put on this earth to do? And that's what it is. So born on the band side is like this. Man, I'm damn. Can I catch a break out here? I, damn. <laughs> Look, my car just broke down. I got an audition. Damn. Finally got an audition. Car broke down. I get to this. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you read. Car broke down. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you read. Well, that wasn't for you. Yeah. That wasn't for you. Well, that's something. That's well, when what you don't accept that yet, you just go home. You go back yes. to your car. I'm born to bad sign. Oh, or com- I've been to an audition where I got there late. They said, we're sorry. I said, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to sit in this hallway. And if y'all let me come in, I'll come back in. And they go, he's still in the hallway. I said, I'm here anyway. I'm just going to sit in this hallway. As y'all pack it up. And I'll just sit in the hallway. And if y'all feel like hearing me, I'll be here. If not, I'll see you guys leave. <clears throat> and then either way it goes, I'm not mad at you. 
because you didn't have to let me read. And when I took that approach to life, like you owe me nothing. So you had to get out of that. The world doesn't owe us anything. That's that bad sign. Sure. World don't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. It ain't fair. It's not fair for anybody. Even for people we think are doing well, as you find out some of them so are miserable as hell. Matter miserable. Fact, they might have a bad, a worse sign than what you got. Like, dude, you got a lot of money in the car, but your life sucks. I've realized that that money and fame is the exact opposite yeah. of happiness. Yes. Like, because you can have, I've seen, it can I, kill we it. know. It can kill your happiness. We know some yeah. of these people that are, that have all the money in the world. They're performing on some of the biggest stages and they are miserable. Because you you realize that that money and material things is not what life is about. I mean, it feels good when you're doing that, but then when you still have all those problems, you not problems, but you yep. still feel depressed. Like then you realize, wow, something is wrong with me, and then you wallow in that. Well, you, you know what happens? It becomes to the point. Um, a friend told me before I got in this business, if you're not happy before you become successful, you damn sure ain't gonna be happy. So he said, work on your happiness now. So everybody works on their happiness later. It's, it's opposite. He goes, you got to find a way. So when I was broke on the road, dude, I was having fun. Oh, yeah. I was having so much fun. I almost dreaded success. I said, it can't be as much fun as this. Yeah, I'll have more money. I'll have a car. i have a house. But will I be having as much fun? No one knows who I am yet. Sure. I go place act a fool. I said, will it ever be this much fun again? And if you can find a way to maintain some of that, you can't maintain all of it. But if you can find a way to maintain some of that same stuff before you made it, you'll be all right. Completely. All right. Well, let's go into Crosscut Saw. Yes. Play the beginning of it, Peter. You've got the nice little blues swing. uh, And then as you keep listening to the lyrics, it's about giving that good D. I mean, he's not hiding it at all. Some call me Wood Chopping Sam. Some call me Wood Cutting Ben. Last girl I cut the wood for, want me back again. See, it's almost like, I think he was finding his victories. He was just big guy that women look like. Remember, they called him Velvet Bulldozer. He's like, you know what? That's a great name, by the, the way. The Velvet Bulldozer. He was like, you know, he, he, he could sing, play guitar. Yeah. You know, he was a tall guy, good looking guy. You know, a lot of women, especially the blues clubs, man. Oh, they were probably throwing themselves at him. And blues is a lot of braggadocia. If you notice, but they hide it under words. See, rappers put it right out in your face. Oh, yeah, they're they're so... I'll give you that D. Yeah. He's like cross-cut saw. (laughs) A cross-cut saw. I mean, it's it's like it's hidden, but at the same time, once you hear the lyrics, you're like, no, this is 100% about your dick, dude. Yeah. Um, You were saying something about the Velvet Bulldozer. Do you have any nicknames? Any nicknames that people have given you? Like throughout your life, man, I had, man, I, had some, I was called Spider Man. Why Spider Man? I love Spider Man comic books. Okay, Spider-Man, and then I was Doctor Doodoo when I was in college. <laughs> that was that was my name through college, Doctor Doodoo. Yeah, because I would go to the bathroom and stay for hours. I bring all my magazines, all my books. You know what's funny is like because I'm a long shitter too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know you're you're taking a long shit when yeah. one of your friends that's hanging out with you texts you like, "Hey man, you doing all right in there?" Yeah. Like I've had that happen. to My me family a few goes, times. "Oh no!" So I'm going to the bathroom. And go like, "Oh no, we'll never make it." I said, "No, no, this will be a real this will be a real bob movement." Usually, what happens is I'm in there, I'm finishing stuff. Let me finish this script. Let me. You know what? No one's talking to you. Yeah. It's a time of communion with yourself. Oh, I love it. It's a meditation. It's <laughs> meditative mode, brother. So, so Mr. Doodoo. What Doc, Dr. Doodoo. Doctor, oh, I'm so sorry. You were, Dr. You were, Doodoo. Yeah, you're a... Uh, Beyond. Yeah. Beyond, brother. <laughs> Beyond. What else besides Dr. Doodoo? Uh, anything else? Red. Dirty red. High yellow. Those are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Doodoo takes the Doodoo's cake, the though, top, dude. bro. 
All right, so Kansas City is the follow-up song to that. Yep. Uh, nice mid-tempo blues classic. Yep. Uh, from what I was doing as I was listening to it, it was uh, people have said it's rumored about the song being about a prostitute. Uh, I could kind of get that through some of the lyrics, but then you brought up yep. a song that really stuck out to you, so I want to dive into that. Yes, Oh, oh Pretty, Pretty Woman, Woman, which pounds. This song, as I was listening to it, it stopped me while I was driving. Like, it stopped me, and I was like, what the fuck? This is perfect. It's a banger. Yeah. Uh, what I love so much about Albert is how he moans yeah. throughout his solos. Yeah, I dude. mean, he is just, he's feeling his music. I tell you, he's singing and twanging it, man. He's feeling, yeah. he's bending the chords, bending, the, you know, his, his vocal chords. Let me ask you this. Because uh, about the blues is about being slow and steady, yep. but then you have Albert King bending his chords very often. Uh, what do you think it means to bend comedy or bend a joke? Um, I don't know if we have a a thing that's similar. See, bending is taking what's there, and the bend member already exists. You're just bending to a note that already exists. Yeah, but something about the bend makes the journey, makes the destination a little sexier. That note's already there. You can go right to that note. You can go to that next note. Yeah. It might be a half step or full step up. But because you never want to bend more than, than a whole more than a whole step is kind of crazy. But um that half step bend, that whole step bend, is sexy because it slowly vibrates up. And then you bring it back down. So it's like you're staying in one spot, but you moved and came back. Yeah, it's oh like, yeah, completely. It's like, it's like you're transcending time, brother. It's like it's like you're going through a portal and you came back. That's why people are like, ooh, what was that? I said, right. What was that? What was that experience? So when you bend, in comedy, the bend would be maybe a sweet callback. But a sweet, not just a regular callback. But a, like a, like a, a just a... A, a callback a, a, where everybody goes like, oh, where comics go, I wish I had done that. Sure. Oh, because you just completely, yeah. you, either through misdirection, they weren't yeah. expecting that callback, and yeah. then you hit it, and they're just like, that, the way that you just blended yeah. the beginning part of your set yes. went into something completely different... Yeah. And then bended it right back to and the beginning. And you can't do a lot of bends in comedy. You can do a lot of bends in, you know, in blues. You can do a lot of bends. Oh, it's all bending. But, yeah. But comedy, you do too many. It's like, all right. No, I believe that. You might get two or three good bends. I, I believe that. Yeah. I think. I think. Well, no, I've heard some of your material that I feel like you can bend. I know Burr definitely will yep. bend, and yep. and I'm starting to now mm-hmm. where I'm really starting to like I've set something up at the beginning yep. of the set, and then I'll do 20, 25 minutes, and then come right back to that. But my bend is an accident. My bend's more like music. I don't really have a set laid out, so I'll do something, and my brain said, "Remember that," and I'll go back to it. So that one might be more musical for me, maybe because uh, because I love music. Maybe my body even reacts that way because I go, oh, that's cool. That's perfect. It's like if, like you're playing guitar and go like, oh, you just slide there because it felt good to go there. Yeah. So my bends are never really planned. You might have a one or two planned bends, but my other bends just happen because it fits in the music. It just fits in the music. It well, I definitely, I definitely feel the comparison yeah. between comedy and music because it's yep. beats. Yes. It's all. There's a structure. Yep. Back to Pretty Woman, though, because I, I wanted to talk yep. about the bends, but... Um, so what I love about this song is that he's talking about, uh, you know, he, this is about a woman that, that has, has done something to him. Oh, pretty woman, what you're trying to do. You keep on fooling around till I get stuck on you. So you just drop that mess and come on down off your throne. Stop using my heart as a stepping stone. And I love that. 
Because I mean, though, we've right? all been in that situation where a woman about, right? has done something like that. It's about you, has there. That's what it's about. It, it so, ain't no, but it, it ain't about it ain't about her being wrong. She was always wrong. If she wasn't pretty, with the messed her. See, he's he's messing with a woman he should have messed with. Sure, that's well, he's, completely. He's, he's messing with a woman he should have messed with. He's this old pretty woman. He's basically saying, "Your fineness is killing me." Can you please let me be the one that you keep? She ain't going to keep him. She don't keep nobody. Have you ever been in a situation with a girl like that before? Where there's one that, like not you're long. talking about, where there's a not, girl who's walked long. all over you? Not not long. Not long? Why? Just because you no, recognized immediately not, that you I'm, were getting played? Because I'm not built that way. I'm an ADHD guy. We give you too much. <laughs> we, we, we give too much. And if I say about to get played, yeah. if I stay too long, I'm sucked in. Sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna, and I'm going to be there for a while, and it's not going to be pretty. So it, you you get hurt quick, boom, we burn quick and get out. I can see, like he said, oh, pretty woman. You I, you might say, hey, why can't why am I not enough? And as soon as you say it like this, did I just say that? Am I stupid? And you have to get yourself out. You have to pull yourself out. So you can't ask her to leave. You got to go. Yo, for hundred percent. He's already cu- he's stuck. Yeah, he is stuck. But I mean, you've so I've I've been in situations where I've been stuck because not only. Is it about, you know, just the woman being attractive? But, like, I, I moved in with a girl after a week. Next thing you know, we've been dating three years. And I'm like, God, we this has got to end. And it's just, it's just we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have lasted Can't move in. six months. Can't move in. My wife is the only one person I've ever been with. Really? Moved in, yes. Moved in with nobody. Live with no one. Did you ever date somebody for a long time and you still didn't move in with them? No. Oh, no, so I, only just... did, I, only dated, I only dated my lifetime, I think, three people. When I say this is a woman I date and I call my woman. I just tell you, I didn't fit. I was young. Women didn't find me exciting, whatever. So I learned to be like, I mean, I'll make it. And they'll see who I am one day. But I found out even if you make it, you still carry the traits of the dude that don't fit. So yeah. for the longest, you carry the traits of the guy. Even though you seem like you got everything, you're so cool, it don't take much to, to throw you or hit you. Because I, so, I didn't have that pimp attitude, brother, that, hey, man, let it for her. I didn't have that. I was like, oh, man, how can I help you? I was that kind of guy. You were just so you just have a lot of love, and when you found somebody that oh, you oh, thought oh. was special, you were like, "This is it." Yeah. So, so my thing was, I can't mess around. I'm not good at messing around with somebody ain't good for me, because really? I, cause good, I, yeah, because I'll get addicted to that just like anything else. Even when you were younger, yeah. though. Yeah. Because first I tried. No, young. Those songs hit me as a young, young kid, junior right, high, high school. Because I, I tried, <laughs> I tried. We all tried uh, in oh, junior yeah, high oh, and man. high school. No, high school. I was like, me. I, I, I tried to outweigh this other dude who's a football player. I'm at the girl's house, man. I'm I'm feeling her. I didn't realize that was his woman. Yeah. He already, but they didn't officially say it. So I'm sitting there telling jokes, and she's joking, and they sent me to go get a pizza. And then they locked the door on me. And I'm knocking on the door, and I'm like this, you dumbass. <laughs> and then I did, and I thought my, then I thought my, I'll show them. Yeah. I said, I'll leave the pizza out here on the steps for you. <laughs> and I left the pizza, and I drove away. I left the damn pizza. What was it? Was it? Was it a good like pepperoni? It was a great pizza, man, from a good place in my hometown. Yeah, and and I've done that before. I remember Lindsay Kelly. I remember I went over to her house and, yep. and I brought her. I remember my mom had gotten a caramello chocolate yeah, bar. Yeah, And uh, somebody brought it home for her from work, and I took it for my mom. And I went to Lindsay Kelly's house to give it to her. And then and she like, didn't give a damn. She, no, she didn't give. She actually the guy that that Deidre Calvin, the guy that she dated, she gave it to him, and what? they ate my caramello right in front of me. And you're like, and you got to play it off. I used to. Here's the deal. Yeah, like, play it off like, hey man, it's cool. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you choke on and that. Then, but, no, you say in the car. <laughs> yeah. You say it later. You you go through that. You dummy. You dummy. Then I became like, look, man. No, 
I ain't falling like this no more. But you know what's funny that you say that is this because this there's like like I said a lot of these songs you know like going into the next song after Oh Pretty Woman is uh, yeah, Down Don't, don't yeah. Bother Me yeah. which is a perfect yeah. two minute and eleven <laughs> seconds short. Sweet, I love this song. Uh, you you know you can beat me up and treat hurt me, me like shit. You can't hurt but, me. But but he's like, but that's my baseline. Yeah, you can't hurt me. I love that. Like, you thought that hurt? He's almost like, oh, you thought that hurt? That well, it's hurt. just it's. The, I mean, literally, the chorus is, "I've been down so long, yeah. you know, down don't bother me." Yeah, I yeah. that could not be a better blues statement. Born no. under a bad sign is one thing, but that's just saying like, oh, you can treat me like shit. Hey, this is where I live this in this norm. shit. You just hit my norm. What I love about that is that this is now this appears to be a similar theme around um, among the bluesmen. Trampled yeah. on by a woman at some point yep. and there is nothing left. What does that say about bluesmen's choices in a life partner? You know what? <laughs> All right, here's the sad part. Usually while they're saying this, they got a good woman. This is the chick on the side. Ah. Usually they have that down chick. Yeah, who's been through all this mess? It's that that thing you shouldn't have messed with on the side that burnt you. She burnt you. Had a down chick, had a good one, but you want that one that shine, that shiny, that shiny object. Yeah, that shiny object that you was gonna burn you. You know the moment when she sat your club, sitting in the front, looking at you like this is. Or if you're gonna do this, I should just hit that one time and left. You only win that way, but she knows you won't. And so it, she keeps. Just and if you leave, she's like this. Cool. She'll play you. Cool. I got other people. Well, I mean, look at let's let's take BB yeah. King for an example. I mean, the guy yep. had what seventeen kids. Yeah. And, and no woman at ten. No one woman. Yeah. Not with no no. no. You know, he was married like seven times. But was he? Yeah, he was married seven times. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, people, if you're listening to this and I was wrong when I talked about it in the BB King thing, correct me. But from my understanding, he was married seven times, but he's got like seventeen kids from seventeen completely different women. Uh, because just some of those guys, just you know, like you said, they like yeah. to get down. There was a or they just don't stay anywhere long. BB King only took two weeks off a year. Oh, I know. How can you be married to him? He's only took two weeks off here. And then one girl said she would wait for her one time a year. He'd come to her hometown. She'd wait on the porch. BB would come by in his tour bus and she'd go to the concert. That was his daughter. Yeah. And they hang out, you know? Yeah. Good for them. Good for Albert and BB. Yeah, and man. Freddie. Yeah, getting man. The, getting the clack the clack on. Yeah, man. Coming into my favorite <laughs> song, one of my favorite songs, uh, The Hunter. Yeah. Which I love this song. So much the piano at the beginning. Yep, yep. Peter, play a little bit of that as we're it's kind of chilling, bro. Kind of chilling. Yeah, yeah. That's a walk. That's his walk. That's his walk. Horns. Everything about. That's his upside. When he's chasing, that's his upside. And then when he catches it, he falls back down. Oh, for he, sure. He grabs it. He should. On the hunt is when he's doing his best. Yeah. Oh, completely. And I, I love so much about this song, not just the wooing during the solos, yes. but yeah. I've got my love gun loaded yeah. with hugs and kisses. Yeah. And when I pull the trigger, there will be no misses. Yep. Ain't no need to hide. Ain't no use to run. Because I've got you in the sights of my love gun. <laughs> Which is just such a fantastic line. Yep. Leads me to this question. Why are black guys obsessed with their penises? Like, why? I think white guys are too. Look at, look at, uh, um, but we don't have nearly as cool names as like, like Love Gun, Cause like, because they're, they're not cool like us. 
It's just not cool. These are old school cool brothers, man. We ain't even cool like these older brothers. No, not at all. These are cool brothers, man. They just just ain't cool. I mean, look, you look Mick Jagger, all of them. Yeah, but it was funny about like Mick Jagger is is a cool guy. Yeah. But then when you see him up on stage and it yeah. looks like he's having a seizure, dancing, he was trying to do James. it's just he was trying to do James Brown. Yeah. Remember, when Mick got that dance, he got it from James at that TV show. Sure. Either guy he's having conniption fit. Sure, I believe But it. I respect the fact that he saw there was something special about James. Mick was talking about brown sugar and stuff. Look, come on, man. Look, it's 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 funny, man. I think brothers, especially back in the day, was proclaiming this is who I am because you got to compete. Yeah. You compete with all these other cats out here. Think about this. Good. In life, I always said, in the hood growing up, if you have no money, you have no car, none of that, you can't, you can't control that. You can control your sexiness. So guys develop swag. See, you still got love if you had nothing else but you had women. Even women like that. Like you might have nothing else. But you, you, you got your swag and you got women. You still got game. No, I believe you that. still got game if you have that. So when you were, so you know, what what was your upbringing? Were you were you middle class, lower middle class, upper no, middle I mean, class? No, my, my dad was a preacher, but we didn't have nothing. We got clothes from rummage sales and stuff. Oh yeah, but uh, my dad was a preacher, but my dad came from the streets of Chicago and St. Louis. Uh, his stepfather made his mom give him all the way six of them. So, you know, my mother my mother was raised by two different families. So they, they came from very bad childhoods, but they came together and became great parents for something that makes no reason why. But I, we was raised, you know, I think when you raised that way, I lost some of the swag because I, we were taught, hey, man, you know, don't, don't, don't brag about what you are. You know, be about something. And I, I tell my nephews, I tell my son, man, you know what? It's all right to toot your horn because somebody else might not do it. It's yeah. okay every once in a while let people know who you are. To stand. I had to learn that as I got older. I got older and I started talking more trash. I got older and said, I'm not taking this. Okay. As I got older, I said, you know what? People act like they want this one thing, but they don't. They like dark side. Americans, people in this country, we love the dark side. We love that that edgy cat. We love that cat that he went to rehab. Now he's okay. But we love that oh, he yeah. went to rehab. Oh, dude. It's we look, at, love, look at Robert Downey Jr. We love the dude that goes to rehab. Yeah. But if you never go to rehab, if you're always located, like, you know what? I don't, they almost got an attitude. I don't like him. You know, he just, nothing about him like this. Oh, because he didn't beat his wife. He's a good man. He raised his kids. Oh, damn. I hate him too. Yeah. Yeah, completely. We like the edge, man. So how did you keep your swag when you were, you know, you're growing up a preacher's son. Like, how did I didn't you have it. So, but you had no swag. I had no swag. So, man. when did you develop your swag? Because if, if I'm looking at you now, you have nothing but swag. I'm, but but you know it's what? so true. It's, it's, it's not it's, even yeah. like it's not like make believe swag. Yeah. It's like like you are just you know when we when I first met you at the jam and we actually had the rehearsal. It's just you came in with the horn section. You're just such a yep. cool guy. You're so much fun to be around. Like so, how did that change? If you said you had no swag in in early part of life, like how when did you develop that swag? I think my swag is just. It's truth. I, I don't know if I developed swag. I said, I'm cool with who I am. When, once I once I became, I told me once I became cool, that I didn't have that kind of swag. Yeah. I said I'm gonna swag with what I have, and once I realized I didn't have that, that um, stereotypical what swag was supposed to be, I said I got me. You know, and I'm cool. I'm cool being by myself. I'm cool that I'm fit. I'm cool when I walk in a room. You don't get it. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm gonna put it in your face. 
I'm gonna walk in and walk out, nigga. Like, man, what was that about? You know, that's my swag. My swag is I love music. I love all types of music. I love. Matter of fact, I'm gonna learn how to play guitar. I'm gonna learn how to play horn. I'm gonna learn all this. I'm gonna take what you do and take it from you. How many instruments do you play? Right now, man, I'm playing. I'm playing guitar. I play bass. You know, drums. I'd have to. I mean, I can get on drums, but I have to like. I would have to shed for maybe a couple of weeks to get like. Boom, let's play this. Song. Oh, I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah Percussion. I can jump in a band. I went. With, I went out with Victor Wooten over the summer for eight. You know, if we did like eight, nine, ten shows. Yeah, because you've. Yeah. You, I mean, when when you did the jam, just so yep. so I'll tell everybody, uh, Sinbad did the jam about a year ago. Yeah. Was when I met you. Uh, and. Uh, you brought the horn section. You had yep. background singers. Yep. You, I mean, we did, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, play Bru- that funky yep. music yep. for the beginning. And then we did uh, the Bruno Mars song, uh, Lockdown in Heaven. Yeah. So funky, so fun. When did you start incorporating music into your sets? Have you been doing that for a long time? I yeah, mean, I used to do it where I just would play it. I would play my first stand-up special. Is when cassettes were out, I did uh, uh, the Shy Lights. Have you, oh, have yeah, you seen yeah, her? Yeah. yeah. Dude, oh my God. I and I had dancers. I remember I had dancers. I came out and danced at the very beginning with dancers. You got the feel, dude. Yes, yeah, so I told, that so feel. I told dudes that thing, that music thing. Yeah. You know, I, that's what gave me what I did. I said, I, I'll combine the music and the comedy. And there were guys, there's a lot of guys who do music and comedy, but I said, I wanted mine to be different. I want mine to be like, damn, that was funky. Wait a minute. What was that? So when I started combining music and comedy, people then I have a band called Stink Nasty. <laughs> we go on the do road. You go by, uh, do you go by Dr. Me- Doodoo? Mem- when Mem- you- Memphis Red. <laughs> Memphis Red? Memphis Red. This is where I think you bring back Dr. Doodoo, bro. Man, I mean. Memphis, but Memphis is colder than Doc. <laughs> Memphis don't give a damn about nobody. So when I, when I started doing that, yeah. and the club owner said, what is it going to be? I said, you're going to get equal parts comedy and music. I said, I can't explain it to you. So I'm at the mic talking trash. But we funking up and playing music. And at the end, they're like, man, I don't know what that was. I said, exactly. I can't explain it. I, I try to tell club owners, either you let me do it or you don't. I can't explain this to you. I will give you, people won't disappoint it. They won't think, oh, Sinbad. Oh, you're going to put music. on a show. Yeah, it's like yeah. you'll put on a show. I'm putting on a show. Oh, that is incredible, man. I got it's- the do-rag, the hat, sunglasses. Oh, he's a whole different dude. But he's me. You and know, that's, are you saying yeah. that's just you? You kind of putting that swag on that, that you swag. that you we he's were talking swag. about. He's that kind of swag, dude. I'll cut you. He's that kind of swag, dude. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, I'll he's cut that. You. He's that kind of dude. He'll cut you. He'll cut you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you. yeah. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Uh, going into I Almost Lost My Mind, Slow yep. Blues, there's nothing better than that. And everything I've said uh, since I've started doing this podcast, there is nothing better. Once again, it's about a, br- a bad breakup. Have you had a breakup that, that was devastating? Or you said you only dated three girls. Has there ever been one that, that the really? The first one. The after first co- one? Okay, college. Um, Where are you going to school? University of Denver. Fell in love with a girl from Chicago. Didn't want to fall in love. Wasn't ready to be in love. I know I couldn't handle it. But she, I tried to give it to my friend. Yeah. I try to get my friend to talk to her. She said, what, before everything no, or during was, the relationship? Well, well, you're no, like, I just can't. Before it got started, she started talking to me. I said, you might like my friend. He's cooler than me. He's another ball player on the team. Okay. She said, no, I'm going to talk to you. I said, no, nah, I'm not that guy. So she just kept, we kept, we kept, we kept. And then we hooked up. And then I fell, dude. I mean, I fell down a rabbit hole. Quickly? Quickly. Ugh, quickly. That's the worst. Down a rabbit hole. It's great, but it's In love worst. with a girl. Good boyfriend. Good boyfriend. Monogamous. Good boyfriend. Yeah. And then one day, um, we're playing UNLV. Reggie Theus, the prettiest basketball player to ever live. Reggie Theus uh, and the other guys from UNLV are t- telling them, I'm going on the corner. I hear him say, hey, there's a party tonight. And my girl goes like, but let me get rid of my boyfriend first. I said, I'm the boy- wait a minute. I'm getting ditched? I'm that dude? I'm that what? And I know, should I go around the corner? But if I make a scene, I look stupid to the ball player. Yeah. So I waited. And they came around the corner and said, hey, man. So, hey, what y'all going to do tonight? Oh, we don't know. We might go to the party. I said, cool, cool. I'm just going to I'm gonna chill. So I went to her place You know, before they left. I said, y'all be careful. And they're laughing. And so what I did, I sat in front of her door the whole night. Slept. Fell asleep. The other girls on the dorm floor put a blanket on me. That's how, how sad they felt for me. <laughs> I wake up right before the elevator opens. They come off the elevator. I think they've been drinking. Not, not, I know they've been drinking. Yeah. And they start laughing. They go, oh, my God, he's, he's in front of your door. But the, the Scorpio side of me and the swag that was coming to me got up. I handed the blanket. I said, you guys, everybody's good? She goes, yeah. I said, forget my name, forget my face. And I got in the elevator. She goes, what? Do the next day. She, she, I was down in the, in the cafeteria getting ready to eat breakfast. Yeah. Everybody's down there, and she's talking to me. And I said to everybody, do you hear this voice? I keep hearing something, and I don't see anything here. Oh, wow. Yo, so man. you were just, you had cut dude, her out. I was done because I'm done. I'm not going to be that dumb dude because I know me. She'll say something, and I'll go right back and be, okay. So I said, boom, Scorpio, done. She, would, she chased me across campus. I kept, whoever you are, ghost. Leave me alone. <laughs> and my boy's like this. Man, that's the coldest. That's the coldest but thing I've ever seen. But I wasn't trying to, to be. Yeah. But all like this. Man, that's the coldest thing I've ever seen. I said, what? The way you cut your girl. I said, I don't have a girl. Oh. They said, what? I said, I don't have a girl. Wow. Damn, dude. That's might be beyond cold, bro. That's some strangeness. I mean, that's if you're going to get over something, that's yeah. how you do it. I had no time, bro. Good for you, yeah. dude. Yeah, that's that's a good. You flip yeah. the script. You I literally, flip. when they say flip the script, you flip the script. Because the other side of me wanted to hang with her. Oh, of course. I had to yeah. fight that dude. Yeah, I had to fight that dude. I said, I'll never hurt like this again. I said, I will never be that punk. I'll never hurt like this again. And you know, you slip a couple of times, but I catch myself. Uh. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Well, once you have that bad, the first bad breakup, especially at a young age, that was like the perfect time to have it. You weren't too yep. young. You weren't too old. You were right there in the sweet spot. And I, it, I wish I would have learned the first really yeah. bad heartbreak that you don't dive in so fast. Yeah. 
But I think that's like you said. We're both. I'm a Scorpio. Yeah, you're man. a Scorpio. Like that's that we is. Jump, we jump. Right we the jump. Deep we're we emotional people. We, we don't even check to see if there's water in the pool. You see that right there? That's my heart right there. It's just we it's right. don't check to see if there's water in the pool. We adjust. We adjust. hundred percent. I'm about to hit this drain. <laughs> <laughs> Which then goes into the next song, uh, which I love the title. I love everything about it. Personal Manager. I do. Please. That's my song. What sticks out about Personal Manager that you like it so much? Like, what are, what are your elements? He's not looking for a personal manager. He's trying to be her personal manager. 100%. Like, like I, need to, I need to be in charge of your life, girl. Let me, let me help you with your life. Oh, completely. Yeah. Which also, this is one of the, this has probably the best. Like the the solo is probably my Yo. favorite on the whole record. Uh, Peter, play the solo. Also, listen. Let's listen to how the horns are complementing the solo. It is so incredible. Yes. It's about wanting a girl to be your queen. You taking care of somebody, and it's probably uh, it's actually one of the only two songs on the record that Albert actually wrote. Uh, I want to be your personal manager. It's that baby. stack sound. It's I, that stacks. But that it's stacks so. Horn. The stacks horn hidden. But just that. Yeah, yeah. The horns are talking. I love this song so much. That's uh, the beginning. I'm going to be a personal manager. Is before you got his heart broke. This is where I'm going to make this work. Let me go ahead and show you how to be right. Completely. Yeah, let me, before this get all messed up, let Albert. <laughs> let Albert make your life right. What? Well, let me ask you, like, uh, to the idea of someone to be your personal manager, what are the things for Sinbad that need to be fixed? Like, what what are the elements that you need? Like, if you were gonna have like uh, like in a relationship, what is that? What would a personal manager be? Yeah, I'm 62 years old. Now. I remember, and my wife and I were divorced for 11 years. Now we're back for 16. The the thing that had to be fixed for me was just look, man. I am what I am. I got ADHD. I'm all over the place. I might pick up a horn. I might pick up a guitar. I might bring a trombone in the room. It's just who I am. Yeah. Don't fix me. Yeah, you can't change don't, something that, like... Don't that, don't that, fix... If it bothers you, then I'll rent a house down the street. <laughs> no, dude. I, dude, I had a studio. Five minutes... We called the studio. It was a house five minutes away. The rule is, I don't want to apologize for what I am. I think that's the key to quit apologize for what you are because what you are is what caught the other person's eye. Yeah. And now what you are bothers them. So now you start getting bothered... And the relationship falls apart. So I'm like this. Let me rent another house so I can go there with all my, my equipment and all my stuff that's junking in the house and in the way because sometimes we're in the way. Yeah. And I accept that. But I'm going to still have it. So I'll just have it somewhere else. Completely. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it's like we forget about that sometimes. Yeah. It's just that, you know, when you're forced... You love somebody. Yeah. And it's like, and if they, and they love you, but then after you're around for each other for so long, it's just the little things start getting annoying and it's like they try to change you and yeah. you try to change them. And ultimately that's when it falls apart. So to be able yeah. to recognize that, and I think that's what I've been able to do as I've gotten older now is that, you know, I'm like, I needed every girl that I've dated literally has, and I hate to say, it was going to sound weird when I say it, they don't have a separate life. I become yeah. their life. And which is great and it's beautiful, it's and, but it's but it's terrible, terrible. in it's the long terrible. term. Nobody wants that. Well, at the beginning, it's sweet. When two can't just become like, one. That's subtraction. Yes. Think about it. Yeah. You move from one from two apartments into one. Who's lost? What gets lost? It's never fifty fifty. No. It's Ever fifty fifty. It's never fifty fifty. That sounds good for a record. That's a good lyric. It's never fifty fifty. It's never fifty fifty. I wish we had a guitar right now. I'd I know, man. Blues it's, it's never fifty fifty. It's never. 
7.30 sometime. It's 90.10. It's, it's, and then, but you got to be able to ride through the non-50-50 moments. Yeah. You know, how, how, how high can I let it go? 70-30 before I'm like, yo, okay, you know what? Better bring this back 60-40. <laughs> there's, a, there's a thing. It's a move in America called living apart together. People who have two separate homes. Is that that's a new trend now? Yeah, it's not. It's, no, it's not. New people, rich people, used to do it. They were like, buy the house next door. You know, call it the office. Sure. But everybody should be able to pick out some furniture. Everybody should be able to pick out some colors. Everybody needs something that belongs to them. Completely. Yes. It's that's one of the definitely. You know. Yes. I mean, when I lived with one of my girlfriends, it was even though I paid half the rent, yeah. that was her place. It is. Everything in the house was was from her. And yes. I remember when we broke up, I packed all my shit in a trash bag. Yeah. Actually, two. Yep. Two trash bags worth of shit, and I was out. And I think that's like, even now, it's like where I'm kind of, I'm in the, I'm, I'm single right now. Yep. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm open to the idea of love. But like I, what I did was I wrote down what I'm looking for in a woman. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not going to deviate. Because once I wrote it down, I noticed that I'd been dating the wrong girls you, my and you whole picked them. It's, it's not their life. Fault. We picked I them. know I picked her. I pick everything. We all, we all, trust me, we do everything. But it's like, you just get... You get attracted to the shiny things, yes. and then you yep. and then you realize, oh well, I don't want the shiny things. I really want, you know, to have my time. You have your time, and we meet in the middle. But it's I like, do like having a personal manager. I, I think that'd be want, fantastic. I don't want a, I don't want a man cave. I want a man house. <laughs> I don't want a basement. I don't want one room. Wait, is that what your studio is? Well, yeah. Where we came to see that that's yeah. your man cave. Yeah, I love that. Got to have something that belongs to you that you don't apologize. Hey man, hey, just put it over there. And nobody gets mad. Yeah. Or why is that there? Completely. Or why is it that color? Those two colors don't match. Don't matter. It matched for me. Completely. Yeah. Laundromat blues. Yeah. Slow blues. Uh, it's another song about a cheating on a woman. Yep. Goes into as the years go passing by. Once again, which I've, which Mark Barron said this to me, and I and I believe it, man. That slow blues is some of the greatest music. Uh, ever and I think as the years go passing by, it's such a powerful song too. From what he's saying, so let me ask you this: Do you think an artist knows when they're creating history? Do you think no. Albert had any idea what he was doing? I don't. I think he was just doing this thing. I uh, don't think Michael knew when he was doing Thriller because remember Michael didn't put give that Quincy that song to the end. He didn't put that song on the album. Quincy says, "I know you got one more." Hmm. He said, "I know you got one more." He wasn't even gonna put it on the album. So I think. You, I think when you think you're making history, that's when you mess it up. So if you try, I think if you try to, because that's try, yeah. Michael tried to do it with the next album. Remember, he, he looked in the mirror. I got to sell thirty. He, th- he sold 30, th- thirty million copies of Thriller. He looked in the mirror, and said thirty-one million, and, and Quincy said, "Man, don't do that." Yeah. You know, because he, he was beat. trying to write to 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 sell records instead of just feeling you know, the music. Thriller, that- Thriller was such a huge feat. That you felt, if I don't do this, I fail. But no, man. You might not ever get, it's like making certain movies. I know there'll be a movie I'll make, and I'll go, I'll never top that. I'll make some other good ones. But there'll be one you'll do, and I'm waiting for that one. I'm waiting for that one. I go like, shit. Yeah. That was that shit. That was, oh, yeah, that was fire. So do you think that you've, you've had something like that, no. like so far? that nope. not even close. Not even close. What about one with your specials? Um... I'm proud of my specials, especially my first, my first one, 
Did you know while you were recording that first one when you finished it that you were like you were like this is it? Like this I said, is I said, it. No, I said I'm about to kick HBO's ass. Yeah, because they didn't remember they didn't give me specials for the longest. They wouldn't give me. Okay, there were all these comedy specials. I couldn't get one. I couldn't get who one. was getting specials before that, like that right around that time. That was that uh, that you were that you were being you know denied. Yeah, a lot of cats. I mean, if you look before my special, there were a lot of specials out there. Probably Robert Klein. I could got like yeah, fifty I of them. I couldn't get an HBO special. I couldn't figure it out, and then. I know they start off with 30 minute, you do an hour. Well, when they finally came to my show, when Chris Albrecht came to my show, my brother, who was my manager at the time, I said, I'm not doing 30 minutes because you owed me 30. I'm doing an hour. I'm going to shoot it where I want to shoot it. I'm sure I want to I was basically saying, I don't care if you give it to me. I probably won't get it. And that's when I found my power. My swag was like, I'm not going to miss what I've never had. But I'm going to keep moving forward whether you give it to me or not. And it became the highest rated special. I think my first two were the highest rated specials on HBO. But no one ever spoke about it even HBO what do you mean HBO didn't acknowledge no, the fact that it was even, that popular we had to find out we had to find out somebody HBO called me and says you know it's the highest rated special right it was never advertised that way it was never it's funny it's like it violated the rules it was clean it, it didn't fit the HBO we, we're not TV we're dirty yeah so it broke the rules and it worked we shot um, we shot two shows I said two shows that's too much and Carolyn Strauss said, no, no, you'd be surprised. I said, no, this will be, each show was two specials. I'm going to have to edit it down to an hour. We had almost four hours of material. Oh, so you you didn't, you did different material yeah. on both tapings. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So we were like, wow. So you literally took, did you wear the same outfit at least? Yeah. Oh, so then, yeah. so then you, so you're just saying, did you just pick the best bits out of each? A lot of that stuff is just in a vault somewhere. We don't know where it's at. I don't think HBO even had, it was the only special that HBO owned. I was the first comic said, this is like music, I own my specials from now on. Yeah. So I actually owned all my specials after that. Wow. And they became known as the Sinbad deal. That's like the Ray Charles yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like that's like I you, you bet on yourself one. and yeah. you got that. Yeah. That's incredible. And that first one is the only one that's not for sale. What I'm, I'm going to put out, it's not, it's not anywhere. My brain damaged video, you can't find it. Wait, anywhere. so it's not on like HBO HBO Go? never put it out. No. Never put it. I'm gonna tell you right now. That's my me and one of my me and my sisters like yep. one of our favorite specials. Was that when you did the uh, the McDonald's straw and your head caves in? Yep, yep. I was Brilliant. wearing all that blue, that blue. blue. Oh, you did Charles Manson. Yes, you were yeah, like my yeah. sister loves that. Like yeah. get over here. I yeah. want to talk to you. Because <laughs> women always pick dudes. Are they straight out their mind? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, my mama don't run for me when it had special effects in it. it oh, just, that was fantastic. Yeah, special effects. It was just, dude. It was crazy. So fantastic. Yeah. All right. Would well, you want to do some facts real quick? We got okay. a few facts. All right. What's yeah. up? Here are some facts, and then we're facts and facts, and then we'll ski bobbing facts and dabble <laughs> skibby facts. Here's the facts. Here we go. The release of "Born Under a Bad Sign" in 1967 would change the face of American music, modernizing the blues. It was the great divide of modern blues, the point at which the music was rescued from slipping into derivative obscurity. Part of the album's success was it had been attributed to Booker T and the MGs, yes. who gave his blues a sleek, soulful sound, which gave King crossover a feel. So let me ask you this. Was there an event in your career that spread you to a wider audience crossover appeal? That's funny, because when I, when I got started, there was uh, my audience, I didn't even advertise white people. My audience was like 90% black. I go, I do, hey, 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 hey. No. He got mad at that statement. Come on, man. Coda. Come on, man. Coda. Um, I think it was, I'm trying to figure, what was the thing? 
the thing that took it over, all of a sudden I saw everybody starting to come. Maybe maybe it was um maybe it was the stand up special. That really blew you up. Yeah. But you're still saying that so did you start seeing after that stand up special a lot of more variety of races in the audience, not yeah. just blacks, you're talking oh. like whites? Here's what changed it. When I started off doing comedy, let's, let's go back further before the stand up special. Okay. I was doing comedy clubs. Remember there's no T V, no movies. I was selling out with nothing other than word of mouth. So this is before different world. Now this this is before difference for everything. There's nothing. I wasn't even Simba. They knew who I was. My audience is mainly all white because black folks weren't going to comedy clubs. Okay. And I couldn't figure out how do I get black people to come to a comedy club? And there were no black comedy clubs. I did a different world, and my audience went from almost ninety five percent white to ninety five percent black. Really? Yeah. Where they actually had to change the alcohol they sold in the comedy club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What were they serving before? Like Merlot oh, and yeah, shit yeah. like Har- that? No, no, no. Hardcore or hard liquor. Yeah. When all the clubs were in the South. They had to do mixed drinks. They had to get a blender. <laughs> so you're saying, so a different world is what opened you up? No, no. Uh, uh, Star Search. Star Search. Star How Search. long ago was that? 84. Did you win? Lost in the finals. Last one. Oh, who Everybody won? Everybody knew it was a kiss of death was the win. Because if you won, you thought it meant something. When you who, lose, you just keep on going. Who won? Um, John Kassir. Did the voice for Tales from the Crypt. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I know that guy's from yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, I know that because yeah. I, I don't know why I know that, but he's definitely the voice yeah. of, of yeah, the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so another fact, his uh, he picked Cotton to help his family financially yeah. when he was young. Tell me about some of your first jobs when you were young. Jesus Christ, man. Cleaning a field up. They were building a nature center, and you had to go out there with a sickle. I was 12, but I looked taller. For 12, so my How fat, tall are you? I'm 6'5". You're 6'5"? My, so- da- my dad said, tell the man you're 16. So we go out in this field, and there was a rich woman named Miss Ross. And she, it's called Surrette Nature Center now. And she would come by with us just wave at her. So we'd be waving, hey, rich white lady. She didn't hear what we were saying. Yeah. Hey, rich white lady. And then she kept, boys. I'm like, what's she talking about? She goes, there's snakes out there. Man, every brother in that field took off running. Except, <laughs> except for a brother named Mogul's. Man, I love snakes. He started chasing snakes with a sickle. So I don't know why I like crazy people. I joined him. Well, I turned back I around. I think sometimes like I turned back around yeah, from running. Man, living life on all, the edge. We all went back to him, and we started sickling snakes to death, man. <laughs> You're 12 years old 12 doing years that? Old, yeah, and then uh, I worked in factories. I worked at auto specialties. I worked at Whirlpool. Um, I drove an ice cream truck. Dude, I took. I had a million jobs. I got fired from every job I had, though. Welcome to my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got. I had a million jobs. What was your uh, if you so if you did if you never did stand up or music what what would you be happy doing? I wouldn't. But you have to pick one. You got to pick one. What would it be? That's a great answer because I know you wouldn't. That's a very like existential. If I could do music or stand up, you can't do either. Assassin. Assassin. I'd be a hitman. You really think you'd be good at it? Hell yes. I'm ADHD. Dude, you're not quiet. Give me, on, give me the Manila envelope. Oh, I can change personalities. <laughs> dude. <laughs> I can. I'm talkative. I'm that cat. I'm focused. Are they hiring assassins anywhere? Yeah, you you get hired. <laughs> you get hired. I mean, you get hired. I saw the man. movie The Mechanic with Charles Bronson. Yeah, I said that's it. That's what you wanted to that's be. That's my gig. <laughs> to be a, to be a, yeah. an assassin or, or undercover or a spy, dude. Anything where I could just trick a system. I just love that that you know. That comedy and music stopped you from being yeah. an assassin. I read the book Catch Me If You Can. I was going to be a con artist. 
If I had not done this, I'd been a con artist. Why, you were a good confidence man? You could you could just yeah. gel with people very no, easily? No, it's great. Most people live their life. People are jerks to them. People working at bank, everybody's a jerk. Yeah. The, the idea of a con is just be nice to people. Yeah, it's, You're always it's a nice day. confidence. How's your day? That? How's everything going? I love technology. I'm a tech cat. Dude, ow. I'd have been the con artist of life. <laughs> all right. And I only would have robbed rich people. I kind of I kind of did it in college. How so? I mean, I did all kind of cons. I would um, I got the uh, first. You know, they they call it the Denver boot. Now it's just a boot on a car. But which the, one's the Denver boot? The, the one that bo- covers the, the whole. One that covers yeah, the yeah, yeah. It started in Denver. Now they're everywhere. You get a boot. It's a boot. But it was called the Denver boot. And I kept saying, "Huh? If you could get that off a car, you could make money." And they said it's impossible. They said it's one of the most impossible things. Even with a hammer, chisel, it's hard to get off a car. I said, "Well, the police have to get it off." How they get it off? And I saw them. There's a key. So I, I got the key because I act like I was doing a report on the Denver boot while I was in college, and I yeah. stole the key. And then I made money taking boots off the car. How much were you charging? I would only charge $25 to brothers, but I would charge the white kids. <laughs> white kids, I know, 50? Yeah, no, because no, it was rich. It was rich school. University of Denver, 100 to $200. If you got a boot, your tickets are already about $300. Yeah. So one white kid told me, you know, you don't charge the brothers. And I, I lost it. I flipped on it, man. And I should have quit. Now you know something ain't right. I should have flipped. I did one more. I got set. I would wait at the payphone booth. They would call. I said, here's the number to call. Get the boot off your car. Yeah. And uh, it was the coldest day in Denver, Colorado. It was so cold, there was no wind. When you walked, the snow crunched. Everything that was wrong could be wrong. Yeah. I walked up to this car. I popped the boot. And this dude started clapping. And it was a black detective. Now, show how life works out. A black detective in Denver? He said, we've been wondering who's been taking the boot off the car, how they could get it off. He, goes, he says, give me the damn key. I'll talk to you tomorrow. He said, go. Didn't arrest you, didn't do anything like that? I gave him the key. He said, it's a federal offense to take this boot. I said, what? He said, thank God you never stole him and you left him in the street. Wow. So I ran to the dorm. So he came to the dorm the next day. He was asking for me and he pointed me out in the TV room. He said, what's your thing, man? I said, what, what, you, what do you do? So I play basketball. I'm a, I'm a kind of an engineering student. Um, I, I don't know what I want to be. He said, either you're going to jail or you're going to be a great person. Now, that same detective is a guy that still comes to my shows. Really? Yeah. How old is he? Is he like uh, 80, is he in his 80s? Yeah, I haven't seen him in about maybe eight years. Do you give him free tickets? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you kind of have to. Dude, I mean. he was, no, he, I told him he was an inspiration to me. How so? He like, changed my life. He, he kept watching. He followed my career all through college. And as I became a comic, I, I looked for him in Denver. He goes, man, I swear to God, I thought that was you. When I found him, I said, man, remember me? Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week, I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. That's incredible. There have been all kinds of people like that I kept in a notebook. People who changed my life. Yeah? Yeah. And, I mean, you still keep in touch with a lot of them? Yeah, some are gone. Some around, some still come to my shows. Well, so some people like they'll kind of lead us to the next fact is that you know uh, Eric Clapton and let me see if I can find the 
the influences. Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, like some of the great guitar people. Jimi Hendrix, a lot of these people, you know, feel they, uh, you know, are influenced by Albert King. So who would you say who has influenced you? Um, Comedy-wise? Just in life. In life? It doesn't have to be just comedy because... My my, my dad, Bill Russell, Dr. J, Earth, Wind & Fire, um, Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, um, um... uh, come on, come on, why am I tripping, tripping? Had his own show, kind of insane. Uh, he's going to Attic, in the Attic. Who is this? Come on, man, why am I forgetting? Coming to America, Eddie Murphy? No, 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 White Cat, that, that could do all these Louis voices. Anderson? No, way before that, way before. Way before. What did he do? Uh, uh, come on, man. Did he do Who Framed he, Roger Rabbit? He no. actually He actually was locked up for a while for being crazy. That was a comic? Yeah, man. He had his own show. Winters? Oh, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Winters. Winters. Yes. Those are your big... He's what, uh, One of my big influences, man, because his mind, the way his mind worked. And uh, those people influenced me. And um, there's athletes and there's entertainers and all the funk groups and all that stuff. Sure. All those guys. Roger, okay. Roger from... Um, Roger and Zap. All these cats. I was in the Air Force when I saw his band play. I said, I'm going to be famous too one day. Did you just say that in your head or you no, said that said to him? No, I said it to him. He sat and talked to me for half an hour, 45 minutes, right before his career blew up. Wow. They were called Roger in the Human Body back then. That's a good name. And they would do a military basis. And this is when you were in the military? Yep. So you knew when you were in the military that you had the, that the passion for stand-up for, for no, music was there? No, I don't know what it was going to be. I didn't know what it was going to be. Okay. I just knew it was going to be famous. Probably was, as an assassin. Act, You're like, I was, I'm going to kill somebody. Yeah, I'm going to be up on a roof. I'm going to be in a band. It's going to be something, but I'm not... I'm not working nine to five and I'm not being normal. Yeah. Well, so you're saying, so speaking of those people as your influences, this will lead into his, is that, yep. is that his father, uh, he was born into a family with 13 children to parents Mary Bevins yep. or Blevins and a church singer and his stepfather, Will Nelson, an amateur guitar player and preacher. Yeah. So have your parents influenced you? You mentioned your father. How, oh, yeah. did they, how did they influence you as a performer? My dad was the coolest cat. My dad was a preacher, but my dad was not a regular preacher. He was guys that seen life. He didn't judge me. He didn't judge people. What do you mean? He's, he's seen life. He experienced. He, he You're saying he lived. And... How he lived and how he, he came up. So he always has a positive outlook on things. Even if he didn't have much, he always had a positive outlook on things. And he was the one who told me I could be anything I want to be. He said, you have to take responsibility for all your failures. And I came from home in college. Dude, I came from college. I was, I was at born on the band side. I said, I don't want to be anything. I didn't take a shower for a month. I said, I'm going to rob people. I'm going to be a con artist, and I'm going to take from people. So I'm going to learn how to fly airplanes. I'm going to be called the midnight pilot. I'll take you anywhere for any amount of money. I won't ask you any questions. Dude, that's where I, my head was at. And he's like, man. And then he said, okay. Came downstairs, looked at me. I, was, I thought we was about to have it out. He said, Let's blame everything on somebody else. But from this moment forward, if you fail, it's your fault. And, dude, I did not want to hear the responsibility. I mean, it's me. Yeah. But then I came up the next day, took a shower. I was eating breakfast. I saw a picture of a helicopter. I said, I'm going to join the Coast Guard. And the Coast Guard became the Air Force. I said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to join the Air Force basketball team. They're going to get me out in six weeks. It always is some scam. Yeah. So he goes, what? I said, I'm going to join the Air Force. I'm playing on the Air Force basketball oh, so team. You, you, so yeah. everything the way you looked yeah. at it, it's yeah. like, how yeah. can I get yeah. in here, finagle my and stuff, and, and be out. out? Yeah. He said, man, you just can't. He said, well, I'm just glad you got it halfway right. Yeah. And then when I made it as a comic, he was like this. What? I said, Dad, I'm not just good. I'm one of the best. He said, what? I said, all this stuff I told you, 
it works. He said, so please, I said, yeah. I, said, I sent a check home one time. He goes like, what is this? That's just from comedy. They pay you for this? She said, all that stuff that you know is crazy, they think it's talent. <laughs> and he was like, all right, I guess you're paying for dinner tonight. Yeah, so you have to tell people that it's a talent. Do you teach your kids basically some of the principles that your dad instilled upon yeah. you? Yeah. I tell my kids to win, you have to accept everything you do wrong and your, your life will open up. If you got to blame other people or if you if you're, if, don't be an asshole. As I said, if you don't become an asshole in life, I did well. Just don't be the asshole in the group. Yeah. I said, it might not be what you wanted to be, but it'll be something great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great lesson. Yeah. I do love that. That's kind of what I live. It's just yeah. like, enjoy the process, enjoy yeah. the work. Uh, on June 6, 1970, Albert King joined The Doors on stage yeah. at the Pacific Coliseum yeah. in Vancouver, Canada. He lent his distinctive guitar to blues cuts such as Little Red Rooster, uh, who Mark Marin once played at the jam and shredded on. Wow. Money, Rock Me, and Who Do You Love? Recordings of this performance were released in 2010. Uh, who have you collaborated with that you never expected to bond with? Uh, being on the road with Victor Wooten. Victor Wooten. So that explain was, everybody was, who Victor was, Wooten Victor Wooten is. Wooten is one of the baddest bass players that ever lived. The Wooten brothers are probably some of the most gifted cast that ever played music. Yeah. They're at another level. There should be a, a documentary about them. That's how deep it is. Um, to go on the road with him, for him to ask me to go on the road with me because he just saw me doing... When I, I mixed music, I was on a little stage in Nashville Zanies and had a little band on that little stage. Had my daughter with me singing, and and his, um, um, they were doing a a trio doing some some music, and the drummer couldn't go. Okay, and so I said, "Remember that thing Sinbad did on stage? Maybe I should just do something together." And we end up doing these days together. I was in heaven, man. How long ago was this? That was this past summer. Wait, what about like when you've performed, like have you collaborated, you worked with Schwarzenegger? Like how did that, I mean, did you ever in a million years nah, when you were like thinking that you I would? I think I had the gig, bro. I quit. I quit after that audition. What, what do you mean? You did I came the in, situation. I came in to read. They didn't want me for Jingle All The Way. They were looking for, I think Andy Sippowitz and some other people were auditioning for it. My agent said, his, his agent was at my agency. And he had told, uh, Arnold's agent said, you need to be with a big guy who's funny. So you should look at Sinbad. So the director and everybody, they said, well, he, he wears earrings. Like, what? Like, I can't take them out? So people heard I was hard to deal with because, what? Because I like to try to be funny. Can I try this another way? Yeah. So that became, oh, he's hard to deal with. But if you're Robin Williams, you call, oh, man, he's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I go to Reed, but I, I go into Bosnia. That's why I went to Bosnia with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I'm supposed to go to Bosnia. After Did you say reading. you went to Bosnia with Hillary Clinton? I remember the whole thing where she said she was on the plane and the plane got shot up. That was with you? That was, I was the one that busted him. I was the one that said bullshit. Wait, I, why am I lost on this? Why didn't I? <laughs> it's funny how nobody puts it back together anymore. But, I try to, you know what's funny is I just try to cut out the news because yeah. it's like any kind of discussion about like. When she said that, she, that this plane was getting shot at and stuff and I'm watching the news. I was on there also with Sheryl Crow and I'm like this. I know Cheryl's going to say something, right? Wait, so wait. So it's you, Cheryl Crow, Crow. and Hillary Rodham Clinton? And a, and a bunch of reporters. So they all knew. There are about 100 reporters on this plane. It's a C-5. You can't do spirals on a C-5. So we're... <laughs> we get... And then I hear about this. And then all these people are online like, man, Sinbad could have saved her with his hammer pants. 
And then somebody said, well, she ought to make Sinbad her vice president. He could be the good Negro. And I'm going to tell my wife, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. So they've been asking me, been calling me different networks to, to talk about it. I called a person who was doing a blog for the Washington Post. Called him late one night from in that room. And I said, hey, this is Sinbad. I know Sinbad. You don't. You either go with it or don't. I said, I'm just pissed tonight. And I gave her the whole story about everything went down. 7 a.m. I'm getting, man, did you just, did you just bust Hillary Clinton? I said, because, you know, my boy Barack, I had become, I was a Hillary Clinton fan at first, but I'm going like, she didn't have to lie. She was the first uh, sitting president's wife that went to a war zone. Why would she say that? Yeah. So I said, nah. I said, no, we didn't run off the plane. We walked off. Matter of fact, a little girl brought her a flower. And all of a sudden, this footage shows up. Wow. And Wolf Blitzer is cracking up. I said, man, the biggest decision we have to make were where we going to eat at next. <laughs> so, I dude, that. I got people hating on me, but I got people loving me. And then I got a call from uh, Barack Obama's people. Look, man, he can't say anything, but he said thank you. But then I can never go to White House because I was going through some kind of thing with the IRS, and I never, ever had a chance to go to the White House. Oh, you had the opportunity, but you couldn't? No, I never. They, they never I was invited you... to come in for something, and then a person called back and said, hey, now nah, but did he eat that up? Yeah, he ate my what? cord. What? Just now? It's all right. Wait a minute. What cord it's is it? just now. It's my computer cord. What? Yeah. It's all right. Don't worry. This is falling apart anyway. He ate that up? Look. <laughs> come here. Hey, Cola, come here. What, what kind of computer is it? It's a... Uh... MacBook. Uh, which 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 end are you using? It's this guy. I got one. I got. I'll give you another one. Are you sure? Yeah, I got one here at the house. I don't use those anymore. Oh, I love it. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that's really great job, dog. Yeah, yeah man. So what, what were you saying? Finish your thought. So, um, you no, know, Brock's people say, hey man, he, yeah, he can't, um, he can't tell you, but good job. But I never got a chance to go to any of the soirees or anything. Yeah. The whole time that uh, the man I love, Barack Obama, was in the office, because I was considered, you know. Maybe I was too outspoken. Maybe it, it wouldn't have been a good look, you know. So that's the only thing. Sure. Yeah. No, I believe it. That's 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 incredible. Yeah. All right. Albert King did a cameo on Albert Brooks' comedy album, A Star is Bought. What? Yeah, I know. It's like this is – we have to search deep on this and we can find it. But tell me about your most random cameo or performance has there been anything that you're just like like they would blink and they'd miss you or 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 something that you've done what's the most random gig you've ever booked what random i'm trying i know i'm gonna probably remember it later well i was in a music video i was in um um tony 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 halo walter video i was the first Entertainer actually do a video. Wait, wait, wait! You were in not, which which Tony Tony song is that? Hey, little Walter. Hey, wait, little Walter is made to wade in the water. I don't remember that. They one. uh they uh thought I my edges. Everybody said. Well, here, Peter, play that song. What is it again? Hey, little Walter. I was a dope dealer. In the video. In the video. Oh my god! And they thought I had killed my career. They thought it killed it. How? Yeah, how, on my age. How, how far no, in your what, career wait, was this? This is man, eighty what? Um, in the nineties. That was in bad man. They thought this is not gonna be good for you. They said Even it's a music video. No, but no. Remember, entertainers weren't doing music videos yet. Mm -hmm. Actors weren't being in other people's music videos. That's beneath you. Yeah, that's insane though. It's still, but it's Tony, Tony, Tony. I mean, they, but then they look, were no, they were no. So you're saying no, no. you did this? That's their first music video. 
Nobody knew who Tony 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 oh, was. That okay. album hadn't even dropped yet. Yeah, they hadn't done Feels Good yet. No, they hadn't done any of the no. hits. Oh, wow. So we can find that online? Oh, yeah, they're all online. I did three videos with them. With Tony Tony Tony? Between you the, were there? Between uh, the first and second video, they went from nobody knowing who they were to bringing their own women to the videos. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so we can find it online. Yeah. We'll look it up. Uh, this another, is, another unknown fact they might not know is I was first black to do the White House correspondent. You did the for, white for George Bush, uh, senior. You did the White House correspondence. There? Did you? They weren't. Did they, weren't they weren't televised. They weren't a big thing. I, I wasn't going to do it because I was, I'm not going to do a thing for George Bush. They said no, no. It was the black correspondence is our first chance to pick somebody. I said no. They came to my house and begged me to do it. Really? And in the doing of it, uh, Mayor Pratt, the uh, uh, woman mayor of a uh, female of of D.C., was in trouble because she said she spanked her kids and the press was trying to eat her up. And they said, whatever you do, don't turn around, don't talk to the president. They're all in the dais behind you. You're in a little ballroom, man. Yeah. What a big time. I turned around and said, I asked Barbara Bush, you ever spank your kids? She goes, of course I did. I said, thank you. <laughs> everybody said, did he just end the whole controversy? So yeah, man, I've always been a little devilish, whatever I do. There's no video of that, of no, course. No, there's no footage. That's there. fantastic, there's though. There's no footage of that. Dude, you're a, le- you're a revolutionary. Yeah, man. This is, you're, I, I can't thank you enough <laughs> for letting me sit down with you. It took- Cool. It, it took a month, but it was well worth it. Hey, my pleasure, man. My, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry my dog ate up your cord. <clears throat> Don't worry. You got an extra cord. Cool, man. What's wrong with you, dude? All right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> ate up the power cord, man. Aren't you glad I waited to tape this, guys? Sinbad, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to follow him on all social media, his name is Sinbad Bad. In January 3rd through January 5th, he's going to be at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City. Also, watch him every Sunday night on Fox on Rel. He's fantastic. The show is fantastic. I love that guy to death. So support him, support his comedy, whatever. I'll be posting his mixtape track listing link on all social media and on all music platforms so you can get inside the musical mind of Sinbad. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com and follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And if you guys want any upcoming tickets, uh, you can find them at joshadammyers.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and listen, rate, review, do it all, everybody. Also, we created a club. It's called the 500 Club, and we'll be giving away merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies, live chats with me and my guests, and as long as you guys sign up to join the club, you get full access to all the episodes uncut one day early on Record Store Tuesdays. Join the movement, people. The 500 Club is the shit. Do it. Find it at the500podcast.com, and all the details are there on our Patreon membership opportunities for you. Now, we just listened to Albert King from 1968. Here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album. From Austin, Texas, we have Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears and their single Face in the Scene. All of their details 
and ways to find them are at our website, the500podcast.com. If you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on The 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. Woo! Next week is ZZ Top Week with their 1973 album Trace Hombres. So you got some homework to do. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for the day. When I see your face, see all I need. You ain't remember me, Mrs. Leatherface in the scene. Ten years in, never been so. Always fashionably late. In a
Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Next Chapter Podcasts.